feel like I've been given an opportunity that I never, ever imagined I would ever in my lifetime have. You know, I, I thought maybe I would book some jobs as a dancer, but I knew what the pay was for dancing. Like I, I knew I was never going to buy a house in LA being a dancer, but because of YouTube and, and all these opportunities with brands and everything, like I was able to buy a house in LA as a dancer. And, and so I feel like for me to not push it as far as I can while I have all this momentum is crazy. In this episode, we talk with choreographer, producer, and entrepreneur, Matt Stefanina. Matt has created some of the most successful dance collaboration videos, producing over 1.5 billion views and 11 million subscribers. At the age of 18, Matt learned to dance while watching music videos, and today he's working with some of the top music moguls, including Taylor Swift, Snoop Dogg, Wiz Khalifa, turning him into a YouTube superstar. Also, Matt was the winner of the 28th season of The Amazing Race. This is creative disruption the intersection where entertainment data and creativity meet here's your host ricky ray butler and daryl leaves welcome back to the creative disruption podcast where we talk about everything that is disrupting the industry and the people that are disrupting the industry super excited for today's guest ricky but before we do this how are you doing man i am doing fantastic doing good <laughs> yep been a good day for you. It's, it's been a busy day, but I'm <laughs> glad to be here and to be a part of this. Now, I love these podcasts, and I want to tell you why. It's like when we actually get to talk about uh, the real issues that's mm -hmm. facing the industry with people that are actually creating waves and it creates ripples in the community. I really love it. I just I just get energy from that. Well, I think after every podcast, I feel like I'm learning more. I get smarter. And it seems like, <laughs> come on, I learned too. I learned too. Let's stop there right now. <laughs> hey, no airhead jokes right now, please. <laughs> but you know, one thing, you know, like feedback I've gotten from my friends is, you know, and, and you know, different partners, you know, in, in, in the industry, people really love being able to see behind the scenes of like what drives people creatively. What, what are right. the economics, you know, behind entertainment? And um, yeah, so I, I, I love these sessions. I learn a lot and it's just fun to do. Yeah, no, I do too. And what I love about it is, but I personally think that you need more presentation. Like, like is training. that what I need? Yes, <laughs> I need more like, presentation. You don't have training. a good enough podcast voice. <laughs> podcast voice. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> okay, you're right. obviously way more skilled than I am. I don't know this. about that, but like, I, I love it because like, there's this this sense of energy and where things are going. Um, it's kind of like what, back in the day, and it's like. I think truly what changes the world is information and how we consume information and what we're able to do with the information. And as you know, the printing press was like introduced, it transformed the world. You know, it literally said, okay, that's great. More and more people learned how to read and they became more educated. And then, you know, there was a lot of health issues that kind of went away because there's like all these things that's going on. And just with every advent that there's been things that happen now with the invention of the internet, and, and, and it wasn't invented by Al Gore. I just wanted to let you know that <laughs> <laughs> just so that you understand it. But that literally transformed the world in a new way. Who was it invented by? I, it, What's the answer? It, what, was it NASA? The, the, the question is, it's a conspiracy. It's the aliens <laughs> that did it. <laughs> Something like that. But at the end of the day, it's like there's this transformation happening each time. Um, and, you know, in the beginning of the Internet, it was all about forums and blogs and so on. Um, and people was getting uh, written information from there and they were really a part of a community. But I, I believe the biggest disruptor uh, is when I went on YouTube in 2005, I played a video and my jaw so wait, dropped. Wait, wait. Are you saying that you're the disruptor? I'm not saying I'm the disruptor. I'm saying when <laughs> I saw a video played that I didn't have to wait till the end of the video sure. for it to actually start. And you can embed that video on your website. Right. That was, that was a game changer for me. And, and then today how decentralized video is where it's, 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 it's consumable. It's very easy to watch on a variety of different platforms. Yeah. And whether it's a news app or if it's an SVOD platform or if it's absolutely. YouTube or TikTok, like it's, it's everywhere. And, and think about like 15 years ago, how archaic everything was. Oh, 100%. When I still see people watching TV where they're, they're watching it based on the terms <laughs> of you know the of the network exactly like, where, 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 where this you're is what you're sitting there i will watch what whatever you, you show me exactly this is what you need to watch trust me you yeah. need to see this i mean <laughs> it, it is like it's like so authoritarian yeah and and, and it's so archaic and and like whenever like i travel a lot and whenever i turn on the tv and, and in a hotel room, i'm like oh screw this i'm gonna just you know start i mean watching stuff on my on my phone exactly 
And I think that that was the transformation. And I, I, I think we've seen uh, a, a huge leap in, in not only this industry, but worldwide, because people are able to, to gather information. And I'm really excited about today's guest because this guest here, and I'm, I know I'll let you introduce him. You can introduce but him. No, 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 but <laughs> seriously, like this guest, he had no clue and he caught, you know, he, you know, to be a part of something, but he's able to start seeing things online with video and it literally transformed his life. And it, and it, it, it made him into the man that he is today based off of what he was exposed to. And the thing for me, and this is what I love about technology is it's like, you know, it can, it can really engage your passions in the sense of your own creativity. And you can think, Oh, that was so cool. I, I'm going to try that, or I'm going to do this. And you know, what can I one up or whatever? And I think that just kind of pushes humanity, you know, to the next level. Yeah. So today we have Matt Stefanina, who's been doing YouTube for over a decade. I mean, he's, he's one of the, the OGs. pioneers. That's right. You know, um, in this space. Yeah. And, and specifically when it comes to dancing, you know, he was one of the first to really you know, come out and like, you know, and, and do dance videos and tutorials and reaction videos. And um, he's someone that's just really respected in the space. And thank you so much for, for coming on. Hey, really appreciate thank it. you guys for having me. <laughs> Good to be here. And so you've been here, you've been what? around for about 11 years and you have a, 11 million subscribers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Crazy. when did you get the biggest like bump of um, subscribers? Was it like a million a year or was it? No, you know, that's a question <laughs> sure. I get a lot. Million, like that, come on. Yeah, that a million, 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 million. the biggest YouTuber <laughs> in the world at, at 11 million in 2008. But um, uh, yeah, it, it started really slow for me because like a lot of people that started back in that time, we didn't really know that YouTube was going to turn into what YouTube is today. So, you know, I was living in a small town in Virginia. I was filming. This is like pre great smartphones. So I'm filming on like a camcorder. It takes <laughs> us like four hours to edit 30 seconds of video and two days to upload it to YouTube on a modem. You know, it was, it was a different time. So I would put up a video every couple months. It would do, you know, a few thousand views. And then one day I put up a, a video of my class in Virginia and it did 500,000 views. Oh, wow. And 10 years ago, that was, that was crazy. crazy. That you broke yeah, yeah. the internet, 500,000 oh, yeah. views. And I started getting requests from people saying, hey, can you come teach in Philadelphia and New York? And then I started to get so friends. So immediately started and, building your business. Yeah. And it was the first time that I realized like, whoa, okay. I was, I was just doing this for fun. I didn't really think this could actually be a way to market myself as a choreographer, as a teacher. And that's sort of what opened the, opened the doors for me to start posting more. And when I made the move to LA, I, I kept that posting up because even though I now had these opportunities to work as a professional dancer, I was like, I can reach this whole other audience, the rest of the world through YouTube that I can't reach when I'm on stage dancing behind an artist. So I, I luckily kept it going, even though it was really difficult holding down a professional dance career and a YouTube side situation, but it ended up being the right decision. That That's amazing. Uh, could you kind of let everyone know like a little bit about your background? That's kind of how you got started on YouTube, but kind of what, what have you done since then? Like, give us a kind of a biography. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a little bit of a weird start. I, I started in DC. I went to like a good school. I was set to, you know, go to college, get a degree, get a good job, all the typical things. And then my parents, when I was 13, sold everything they had. They moved us out to the woods in Virginia, basically. Like, <laughs> We're going to the just, woods. I was like, We're going oh, to them there uh, hills. Right. Literally, <laughs> literally like went from like normal life to just like mountains and Cows. That was it. Like, more <laughs> cows than people, I think, but in isn't my neighborhood. Like the area it's like, where, like there's like communities of cloggers. Like <laughs> cloggers. Clogging and like clogging the, was it, massive in my yeah, town. Like, yeah, the red yeah. Deck that, that's where you yeah. got to start. You just didn't want to talk about. <laughs> hey, I know how to clog. Okay, oh, now. Yeah. Okay. No, my, I, my, I, mom, no, no, no. my mom had a clogging studio. I no I'm really would good. pay money to now, see that. One thing about Daryl, guys, everyone wants to see this. You know, I'll share it. I'll definitely share it. You know, I have a huge following. But but one thing about Daryl. Oh, he, he's way into ballet and I think he should demonstrate it right now. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> a clog ballet hip hop. So, ballet, so like there's hip -hop, the like, trio. They're not yeah, ready for it. <laughs> Here, Here's the thing. Um, there's certain talents and abilities that I have. And I can honestly say dancing. I, 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 there's no way I can. Dance. So, so I'm there's from a family, no coordination at all. I'm, I'm from a family that is like really into dancing. I had, I had, I had two sisters that did Blackpool competitions. Like one of my sisters, I think got like a, a gold with her team with the school that she was at and, and, and another sister got like a, like a silver and they, they've always like done studios. Yep. They've always like done dancing and like all my brothers are naturally t talented at dancing. 
I was probably and the one that was like the you. most excited about it. And like just wasn't clicking. <laughs> it did happen. I was that, you know, passionate fat guy, you know, on the dance floor. And you know, with, with, the the moves, with the leader hose. <laughs> <laughs> with the leader hose and whatever. All right. So now that he, he, he interrupted you from your bio here, let's go ahead. So you moved to the hills. Moved to yeah. the hills. The point is a lot of people like what you're saying are like, you know, so-and-so is naturally good dancer. I right. have two left feet. I was a terrible dancer. I played basketball. I was a snowboarder. I was into music. I couldn't dance to save my life. And me and one of my buddies were so bored one summer. We were like, let's learn how to break dance. And then we'll go to the school dance next year and we'll do a windmill or a cool. flip. Be super cool, <laughs> you awesome. know? And so all summer we just watched music videos, try to figure it out. And I, I saw an audition, a poster for a thing that's like, come audition for a dance crew. And I was like, that's a dumb, I can't dance. <laughs> And I went there and, and because of snowboarding and some of the other things I'd done, I knew how to flip. So I could do backflips and stuff like that. And they were like, look, you suck at dancing, but nobody on our team can flip. So if you can come flip, Just like, run in the we'll, middle and do a backflip. Yeah, run in the middle, do a yeah, flip, like, get out of there before we start now. dancing <laughs> again. You Who know? is that guy? He's the flipper. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. That was it. And it, it was a few things like that that just sort of fell into place for me to be like, all right, sure, I'll learn how to dance. I'll stick around. And I just honestly, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the challenge. I loved music, hip hop, EDM for, forever. And this was a way for me to, to connect with it in a different way and just try something new. I never thought it'd be a career. I thought, you know, I'll dance for a couple of years, high school, maybe college, and, and that'll be it. And um, I ended up dropping out of school. My second semester just wasn't the right fit. And I started DJing and I started teaching dance classes. And two years later, I moved to LA. That's crazy. And so like, did you get a lot of inspiration online then? You're like, oh man, that's super cool. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, first it was music videos, like in the hills you know, Virginia, I mean, come on. Yeah. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, battles happening on the streets daily in rural Virginia. So yeah, it was, it was music videos, you know, uh, Chris Brown, Usher, Justin Timberlake right. were all kind of blowing up at that time and using dance and choreography in their videos. And then YouTube slowly started, people started putting tutorials up, which was a huge help. And that was the main reason I started also posting tutorials is because I was finding all the places that there was no information. I was like, man, I wish somebody would teach choreography online. Mm. Okay, I can choreograph now. Let me kind of give back and oh, help awesome. build this community out. So I've been doing tutorials for 10 years. And, and it's a lot of the reason I think for my success in my business today is not just dance videos, but having that connection that goes beyond, hey, I like your dancing, right. but you're also my teacher. And exactly. I watch you and, and we communicate. And, you know, we have a deeper bond than just That's I right. like you as a dancer, which I think is really important for creative people online to find ways to connect further than just visually talent, you know, that, that people enjoy watching. Like so far in your career and you know, you, you have, you have even a ways to go. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's going to be exciting to see like where you are in the next five years, next 10 years. Um, what have been, what, what were like the three top highlights that, that you've experienced so far where you're just like, Whoa, this has just happened. And, and it blew your mind. Yeah, I would say the the first job I ever got as a professional dancer was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And um, I was his body double for a bunch of skits. Okay, wait, wait, skits. wait. I wow. got to stop you there. A body double for Jay Leno? I just don't see it, man. <laughs> they were like, look, we need a tall white guy <laughs> that can wear a full denim outfit that can do flips and windmills. And okay. I was like, all right. So they, oh, there's not a lot of those little, in LA. Like they did a little Hollywood Looked. magic on that. Yeah. Yeah. I had the, the hair. I had everything. We, we did it. Uh, the chin. Cause and, I, I uh, yeah, the chin, <laughs> we hid the chin. Just looked down, looked down the whole time. <laughs> just, just, look at the ground. Look at the ground. But that was, that was my first ever time being on a set. And it happened, you know, pretty early on out here. And I got to, fly my mom out and she attended the taping and it, and it was my first experience of like maybe this is possible because even though I moved out here I was like I'll move out here but realistically I'm probably going to end up waiting tables or right. you know doing some thing on the side teaching dance classes at some random studio to, to get by and that was when I was like maybe this is possible you know there wasn't monetization on YouTube yet so even though I had this following I wasn't making any money off of it right and um, I would say that was the first one the second one was was there was a few artists that started to recognize my videos and and message me. Um, Chris Brown, Jason Derulo, oh, that's awesome. all all kind of acknowledged that like, hey, this this guy's on YouTube posting our music with his choreography. This is really dope, and it's actually how I ended up working with Jason. So it's a like a years resume later. you're putting out there, like, hey man, exactly. Work with you. Here's the yeah. choreography for that. And, that's really cool. And traditionally, and this is similar in a lot of other artistic 
industries out in LA, the traditional route is the artist or the producer, or the director puts out word, Hey, we're casting a movie. We're casting a music video. And then it filters down to the agencies and the managers. And then it filters down to the talent. And then you submit and it goes back through the chain and then they give notes and it comes back down the chain. And it's this like crazy long process. And what social media did is it took all that away. Oh, that's so and awesome. literally, you know, Jason will be on his phone and see a video he likes. He's like, yo, get that guy for the next music video. He's dope. And it, it literally happens that fast, wow. you know? So it opened a whole new world. It, it kind of took some power away from the gatekeepers in our industry and gave it to the artists, which was huge for us. And that's, that's a huge disruption. And I think we're seeing more of that today. It's like, you know, you're, you're able to give creators more control and you don't need all these little gatekeepers or decision makers or people that are putting their little paws in every little deal. Yeah. You, know, you don't necessarily need that anymore. And I think that's where it's going. Uh, it's really interesting that you're able to see it way back when. Yeah. And then what did it lead to? Like you just worked on a, a music video. With yeah. I mean, for me and him, it's really interesting because originally we did one show together and then that led to a music video and that led to us just becoming friends and hanging out and doing, he came on my tutorial channel. He, we did a vlog together. We oh, really cool. get lunch, you know, just, it, it became a natural relationship instead of here's the brand, here's the artist, here's the choreographer. Okay. You guys do something, you know, it, it, it worked itself out naturally. And we found ways that we could both work together and help build each other's brands and, you know, really benefit both win-win situation from the situation. So I think that was a huge step. And then I would say the third one is probably for me, I've always been known as dance on YouTube specifically, but I also do a lot of other things outside of that. And I did the amazing race and one a few years ago, a couple of seasons what? ago. Yeah. And that was my, did you dance my, your way to victory? I, I did. <laughs> That's I, did. Awesome. I did. It was actually a Georgian ballet challenge, believe oh, it or not, really? which I put my partner in for. I did not participate in that one. Um, but that was a really big thing for me too, because it kind of got me out of the dance and digital world. And people were like, Oh, he can also well, do other things as well. You know, that was really cool. What, what was it? Was there like an audition for that or how did that work for amazing race? <sighs> Let me tell you the short story is I auditioned six seasons in a row, What? including sleeping <laughs> wow. on the sidewalk in San Francisco <laughs> to try to get in the cattle call interview. And we got turned down from every single one. And then they were like, hey, uh, they emailed me. We saw you have a big YouTube following <laughs> and we're doing, um, you know, like a social media kind of season, all star season. Have you ever heard of the amazing race? And I was like, guys, I got six years of footage. Listen, <laughs> I've been doing this. Yeah. I've been working so, for this for a long so time. So, of course, you know, they loved us because we knew the show, loved the show and right. were huge fans and. Uh, it was it was a big opportunity and and something like I dreamed of that show like ten years I'd been a fan by the time we went on there so that, I knew everything. Are you there know? other reality shows or unscripted shows that you want to be on? That is the only one. That is the only <laughs> the one. Only one. You, you want to get bored in like Big Brother? <laughs> Gosh, I could not do it. I have had friends do that. Survivor, you know, uh -huh. and and I'm like three three months in a house, the cameras, like no, I could, couldn't well, do it. So. Being on the amazing race, was that something that really did help your career or did it, was it one of those things that distracted it? It, you know what it did? It's interesting is social media wise, YouTube wise, it helped absolutely zero. I don't think I gained one follower from the amazing yep. race, but I got respect outside of the social media and dance community, which is really difficult to do. You know, there's the, the audience that watches the amazing race is not on Instagram watching dance videos, most likely. So it enabled me to, when I go into these other circles, people are like, is that the dance guy? They're like, no, that's the amazing race guy. You know, it's like, <laughs> like I was like, oh, it, it, it opened, it opened doors because as you know, you guys have talked to a lot of people that do social media. There's very few people like Lily Singh is a great example right uh -huh, now who right. crossed over from YouTube vlog. She makes these little short comedy videos. Yep. Now she has a late night show. Mm -hmm. yep. Now she's hosting legitimate celebrity events, you know, and that crossover is happening more and more, but it's been very difficult for the industry to take the social media side seriously and, and see the well, talent. It, it's the same thing with the producers of amazing race. They're like, Oh, we're doing a social media. Who's that guy again? You know? And they probably yeah. had no idea that you tried out six times and got rejected every six times, you know, but it's like, yeah. it's like, it's a new world now. It's like, okay, 
And, and Ricky and I have had this conversation before. It's like you even have these A-listers that are going to become irrelevant because they don't have a social following. There's no no push. And people are going to be, oh, no, let's use these people because, you know, they already have a, a built-in audience and that that would get more people coming yeah. to it. Because I can guarantee you, you might have not got a lot of followers, you know, subscribing and following, but you had a lot of your viewers watching you on Amazing Race. And that's exactly. just giving them more content in a different context. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think you actually do have an advantage because you know, as Daryl mentioned, like there's a lot of A-listers now trying to figure out how to create content on their own or how to have their own production companies yeah. and, and how to leverage their own social followings. Cause there's a lot of these different creators that have hundreds of millions of followers, but they're not really creating that much content, specifically video content. And so I think that, that clash of the two like worlds, like it's already happened. And now it's, I think a, a lot, a lot of different groups and different, um, celebrities and influencers are, are now going towards your direction. I think you're really ahead of the curve when it comes to that. So I, I'm very curious because like here you go, here you're uh, doing some dance instruction. Like how did, how did digital like change everything for you? Like YouTube and everything. I know that you're building an audience, you're doing tutorials like that, but did you have like uh, classes that you're selling stuff to like, give us, give us some information on that. Yeah. So business wise, I mean, my, my model was professional dancer, choreographer, and teacher. I was sort of doing all three at the same time, right. you know, and, and when a big choreography job came out that, that took precedence and the other two fell off for a bit. Um, now I've, I've pulled back on the choreography side, except for my YouTube and, and the dance side as well. I'm mostly just dancing my own stuff. And my, my biggest passion still is teaching. So I used to fly out every single weekend up until November for the entire year, which was a terrible idea. I don't know <laughs> why I decided to do that. Um, and now what I've done is I've con condensed it into four tours. So I do a U.S. tour, an Asia tour, a South America tour, and a Europe tour every year, about three to four weeks, and then that's it. That's the rest really of the cool. time, I try to stay in L.A. unless it's a really you know big job, something like that. So I leave on Tuesday for we're doing Europe and India on this next tour. And um, YouTube is the main way that I market them. Probably 80% of the people in the class will say they saw my videos on Instagram or YouTube, learned a tutorial, taught it to their friends, and now they all came to the workshop because they wanted to actually take class in person. That's really cool. So it's, it's really allowed me to create my own tours as opposed to before I would have to message a studio and be like, hey, would you guys bring me in to... Germany to teach a class to Brazil to teach a class. Now I can just rent a warehouse in Brazil and be like, oh, that's amazing. Show up. That's your studio. Yeah. yeah. We'll be, and we sell tickets as if it's a concert, you know, they, they scan in through an app. And, How many people come to those, 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 those classes? Uh, depends on the venue usually. And also the country, um, on the smaller side, you know, maybe 200, 300. And then in the Philippines, we've had like 700 Brazil, 700. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, you need obviously more space for a dance class than you do for a right. concert where you can just pack in. Um, so it, it's, there's challenges with it, but it's it's been incredible to be able to just go somewhere and and literally have people, you know, show up. At the first couple of times, I was like, like how is this happening? I can only imagine the energy level too. Like if you have 700 people that are here wanting to learn, like I, I've never heard of a dance class of 700 students like it's in person. It's crazy. But, yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. It, it feels like a concert. It really does. And the thing that's even different about, you know, I teach in LA once, twice a month when I have time here and it's great. I love my students here. Everything's amazing, but there's something different about going to a country that never has the opportunity mm. to take a class. And I remember what that's like. Cause when I was in the woods of Virginia <laughs> with your clogs and, and yeah, and, and so-and-so choreographer came into town, me and my friends were like, I, we couldn't believe it. Like for two weeks before we were like practicing their routines and like, we were so hyped about it. And so I, I remember back to that night when I see them come in and they're so excited, I'm like, wow, that's, it's really cool to, to be able to give them that now and, and that, share that, that experience. That's really epic. I really love that because you know, you're, you're kind of drawing on your own history, like remembering how that would be and so on and so forth. Yeah. And now you're providing that for so many people. That's awesome. So do you do anything with like digital? Do you do like a private digital, like OTT stuff where it's behind a paywall or? We've experimented with a lot of things over the years. And the most recent one that, that was actually really successful was an app. And it was um, a lot of free content on the app. And then you could go behind a paywall, $3.99 a month to access uh, four new tutorials a month and some cool. behind the scenes type of stuff. And um, 
it, it was doing really well. The reason I decided to stop it though, is because creating that content for the app was taking away from my production on YouTube. Sure. And even though I financially short term, I was doing better with the app. I felt like long term, it was more important to put that content on YouTube for free, make a lot less on the ad revenue from YouTube, but keep building the brand so that long term, right. we had hmm. that there. Well, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, like, where do you want to take where you are like, and take it to the next level? Yeah. Still involved somewhat in dance, but actually the last two years, mostly I've been working as a music producer and, and really working hard on, on the music side. Oh, cool. Um, mostly EDM. I work with a lot of DJs as a choreographer and I, I fell in love with EDM a long time ago. And one of the big issues that we have, I'm sure you guys have dealt with it as well, being in the space is copyright right, rights sure. for music licensing, things like that. And even though I have a lot of friends that are artists that are like, yeah, use, use my music, use whatever you want. You're like, uh, doesn't work. No, like that. <laughs> doesn't work like that. Cause there's writers and there's producers and all, all these people and, and labels that right. in the end, a lot of times control the music. So that's been one of the big hurdles. So one of the things that I'm trying to do right now is get my my music and my production to a level where we're able to also create music for whether it's a brand campaign or it's a dance video or it's an, an artist that I want to work with. And instead of them having to go through their producers, through their label, we're able to do something where they they rap or sing on a project that I'm producing and then we're able to keep the rights. That's and really cool. Just oh, kind of nice. opening the doors to give us more freedom in the content that we're making. Do you have any examples specifically that you've done in that area? Yeah, I did a show um, for Google in the Philippines uh, three months ago and the show is streamed worldwide and then it also gets to stay up on YouTube. So obviously for any label to clear a song in perpetuity to live right. on, on sure. YouTube is very, very difficult. And we were, we were trying to clear these songs that I'm on the plane to the Philippines and literally they just would not clear. We couldn't get it done. And we're, we're heading there. I'm about to do this show. So on the plane, I made a song by the time we landed, I had wait, it done. Wait, 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 wait. You're on the plane. Like I said, it's a long flight. It's probably <laughs> yeah. like 22 hours. Yeah. Or it was, it was a good 15 hour, I think, I think flight. <laughs> and I, I was trying, as we're in the airport, you know, trying to take off, we're still working it out. It's right. not going to work. And it, it was, I needed like 90 seconds of like a dubstep. Yeah, yeah, EDM, and I just the whole flight sat there and made the song. When I got there, I was like, "Don't worry, we got a song." And, so I'm, and we I'm used really it curious. Like I, I'm always curious with creative people and how they they do it. So like when you're creating music, are you thinking about what to dance to when yeah. you're creating the music? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so because yeah. like I, I thought that would be the case. It's like okay, you're you're envisioning the dance move, and they're like, okay, what would be cool with that? Yeah, and that's how you're. Yeah, I almost always do two versions of every song. One that's like this is what you would listen to if you were just like in on the radio listening right. to it. And then here's like one that you would dance to with like the, I know someone, um, his name is David F. He had, he had a group called can't stop. Won't stop. And he never performed. All he did was write songs for YouTubers. And he like made a killer. Oh, he, he, wow. he, he would just like write a hip hop song for like Devin super tramp or King of random. Yeah. And then they'd use his song and then it's like linked to his, to his um, iTunes account or like uh, iTunes link. And then people would go buy his music and he'd like make thousands and thousands of dollars. That's crazy. And so yeah. like he got to the point where like, he didn't even like, like, I mean, he just started coasting and he's like, okay, well I'll message a, a YouTuber here or there and make money. And he just never like tried to get famous or anything. He just realized that there was a demand that people needed to use music. And he just hit up all these different, YouTubers and creators. You yeah. Know, no, I mean, help I, with that. It, music is very complicated. So part of me, when I started on YouTube, like in 2005 was just like, Hey, it's cool exposure. And then I had the idea of doing videos like ads for local clients with so doctors, dentists, lawyers, or whatever. But my first exposure for audience development was with the piano guys. And, you know, I found out how complex the music industry is, especially on online, yeah. especially on YouTube. And it's very, very complicated. There's all these moving parts. Um, you think that, oh, it's just cut and dry. Um, one of my fav favorite stories, this is, wasn't when I'm ne not necessarily working with the piano guys, but they actually had the rights to do uh, a Batman. They were using every Batmobile in one of their music videos. And I don't know who was like doing this. Like, Warner Brothers uh, hired them to do it. They were making quite a bit of money for it they only had portion of the music rights <laughs> and portion of the, the intellectual rights. And so it's oh, like wow. that video went up had like 4 million views, like in 48 hours. And it came straight down Ugh. because they didn't have 
all the clearance for it. They're like, well, you don't own the rights for this. You can't, you can't just do this. And so super complicated. And, yeah. and I think I, I do believe what you're the direction that you see yourself is where more independent uh, content creators are going to go because it's so complex. It's like, why do I need to use their stuff? If I can create my own and we can do our own style, like you're doing this for, for Google as a brand. Like I see that happening time and time again, where you can do it and you can have global distribution. You don't have to worry about, you know, the, the stuff that's happening in Germany or other countries that are, you know, have very, very harsh yeah. copyright laws. Now, are you mainly doing it for your own projects or are, is this something where you're actually hooking up other creators out there and letting them use your music or? Yeah. I mean, right now it's, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist in the uh -huh. sense that I don't, I don't want to put stuff on Spotify and, sure. and until I really feel like it's ready. But ideally the goal is that in the next couple of years, I'll have music out there and there will be either I'll just be giving it to creators to be able to use or what a lot of artists are doing now that are independent is they'll do a 50, 50 split and say, look, use my music wherever you want. Use it on your YouTube videos. I'll take 50, you take 50 and it's win-win. And, and that's what I've been working with a lot of artists when I'm dancing, using their music, we've been doing that deal. And it's great. That's, you know, realistically, I own the visual rights, you own the audio rights and it's super fair. So that's where I'd like to get it to. Um, but right awesome. now it's, it's mostly just in my videos as I'm still working things out. Like when you did that deal for the first time, like the 50, 50, like when did that happen? And has there been challenges that faced yourself as a content creator by doing deals like that? Yeah. I mean, going back a little bit, uh, the rule used to be three strikes, right? right? Right. And then there was a period, a very brief period, but there was a period where YouTube allowed you to claim the visual rights. And for about six months, I made more money than I could count off my dance videos because <laughs> I was able to claim all the visual rights to all of them. And then the, the labels came in and were like, nope, we're taking all of it. And it, it stopped like that. So there was a, a time there where everybody was pretty happy except for the record labels, you know, and right. then now we're, we're starting to work our way back to that more with independent artists, but it, it it's really amazing. They're looking for exposure. That's, you know, especially when you're independent, you have to find a way to compete with the labels. And the only way to really do it now is to get user generated content, whether it's TikTok or it's Snapchat mm -hmm. or it's YouTube, it, it, it just needs to be out there. You look at something like old town road that blew up off of a slew of apps, mostly yep. people creating videos to it, push the song. And then once people heard it, they were like, Oh, we do like this. But without that initial push, who knows if the song would have ever, and there's examples of that everywhere, you know? So the artists are really thrilled that, that creators with followings are using their music. And like I said, we're just happy that somebody is not blocking our stuff, taking it down and giving us a little bit of the ad revenue because videos are expensive to make. Everyone 100%. has different production costs. I have a team of six people that I'm paying to make videos. So if I can't make any money back on the videos, then I'm paying that out of tour budgets or I have to pull it from other places, you know? So it's, it's, the artists are in the same boat. They understand how expensive it is to make a record. And so generally speaking, they're very, very happy to, to give some back so that we can help them get exposure and everybody can win. Yeah. I think there's like a money grab for the longest period of time. And now it's like, no, let's be reasonable. Let's just split it out. Let's figure out the way to, to work. I know YouTube has a lot of internal things that has just changed, you know, over the years. Um, and I think it's now finally at a point where, where people can actually say, okay, this is, this is about, there, like, they, they, just give you some context. There was like a, um, a lot of companies that would just copyright claim everything. And there was just no, you know, no combating it. It was just like, they'd claim it even if the stuff wasn't in it. And it was just kind of a mess. Well, now, uh, they're, they're able to do it by time code, you know, yes. and you can say, okay, here's the time code, you know, they can even edit it out. You know, there's a lot of things that they want to, you know, give, give creators a little bit more control. Um, but I, I think that we're just on the verge. I think between this year and next year, it'll be really more solidified. And I think it's, it's going to be more uniform. So a lot of this will actually happen, you know, in the, in the coming years, because creativity is not going to go, but it's just, where does the money flow, you know, and there's gonna be a lot of people cut out, but if they set it up, right, it's not the wrong people that are being cut out, like how the music industry has been for years. Yep. So, yeah. Are you still doing a lot of work with music videos? No, not too much. Um, more so on the EDM side, I do, uh, like I did a video for Steve Aoki and for my buddy Nightmare and sometimes uh, still working with Jason, things like that. But the, the thing that's difficult about music videos, and I, I got a little spoiled on YouTube, is that 
when you're on YouTube and you create choreography to a song, you can create it however you want, right? When you do a music video, it's really more about the visual of the video. It's not about the choreography. And, and so if, if you're more into creating a visual, a music video can be a great experience. If you're really excited about your choreography, it's not the best way to show it. You know what I mean? Because there's lots of close-ups and, and, and shots that don't show the dancing in, in a music video. So as I was like, getting more show and my more, art. yeah, I would, you know, <laughs> back when I was first starting, I'd get so excited to book a, a music video job and then we'd work on it for weeks and then we'd see the music video and be like, are people even dancing in the video? Is that, is that me in the back? On the top, there. I think that's. Oh, there I am. Yeah, there I am. That, was, that was pretty much my first five years in LA in the dance industry, being like, "Oh man, they that was a good move. They didn't use my <laughs> shot, you know, whatever." So I was like, "All right, YouTube is just the way to go." And that that's amazing. I mean, because you know, we talked about earlier how artists today are now empowered, and 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 it's kind of cool that you've been able to create so much influence. Where I'm sure musicians and artists all the time, or or, or different music videos, are trying to recruit you because they're like. Well, wait, he's really good. He could do some great choreography, but he also has like a million followers. And so that's going to also help boost 11, my music video. 11. What did I say? 11, I, said, I, said, I said 11 million. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say 11 million. Did I say a million again? My bad. <laughs> but, well, you know, you have a, 11 million followers. It's just huge. Like, you know, you're one of the biggest like YouTubers out there. And, and, and so I, I'm assuming, you know, there's probably a lot of organizations out there just trying to get you to participate because, yeah, you have the talent, but you also have the clout and the, and the influence. Yeah, and I, I always tell whether it's a brand or it's an artist. Which didn't happen the, in the 90s, right? Right. No, yeah, <laughs> like, it, was, it, was not, it was not possible, you know. And, and traditionally, too, you know, dancers don't get paid the best, don't get treated the best, because there might be 15 or 20 of them behind an artist. And, you know, as much as it sucks, to an extent, a dancer is replaceable. If you're one of 20 and you fall out and somebody else jumps in, the audience probably isn't going to know that the dancer on the left was exactly. replaced. You know what I mean? So what it's allowed us to do and, and for any creative person is, is create a brand around yourself that is now irreplaceable. The art, the, the, the artist or the label might be able to replace you, the dancer, but they can't replace you, the dancer with the reputation, with the following with the pull in the industry and the fans and all these other things that we're now able to do through social media, which is why we're able to get all these opportunities, you know, and, and whether it's with an artist or whether it's a brand deal, the most important thing is that it's organic. I talk about me and Jason a lot because that's a, a perfect example of, we could have just done one show been like, Hey bro, great working with you on to the next. But both of us were like, yo, what else can we do? He's like, oh, I got another record coming out. Awesome. Cool. Why don't you come on my YouTube? Oh, let's do an Instagram video. <laughs> and, and it just flowed, you know, yeah. and, and, it, and the same can happen with a brand. You know, you do one brand deal and they're like, hey, that was great. We got this other product. We also work with this company. And you see that start to happen. And that's when you find the most success is, is when there's an organic connection. And then you're able to figure out how to how to build on it or how to bring more pieces in. Like maybe it's, it's me and a product and we're like, you know what, what would be amazing here is if we incorporated music, let's hit up Jason, see if he wants to do a song for it. Let's hit up my actor and you just piece it all together and then everybody wins. And those are the experiences I'm trying to create more and more is those organic relationships where I, I would have been dancing with this product or with, you know, these shoes on anyway, but the fact that you guys love my stuff and I love your product and we can work together and build something really dope that's the ideal situation. That's awesome. We've done um, some work with you and we've always loved working with you. Um, what are like, like a couple of products that you worked with that, that have just been a perfect fit? I mean, the one that we did for Madden was absolutely one of my top brand deals situations, like collaborations I've ever done. It, and it, it's funny because right before we did that with, with AB, I was in Miami at Rolling Loud and me and him had been talking on Instagram for a while. You know, I'm a huge football fan, huge AB fan. And, and I was like, you know, we, we got to do a dance video together. He always has his <laughs> touchdown dances that he's doing. He was like, he was like, yeah, man, let's get together, you know, do it. We ended up uh, catching up there in, in Miami. And it, it was literally, I think a month later that uh, we connected about doing, doing the deal for Madden. So it was like, sometimes things just fall into place, oh, awesome. you know, all and the, that's perfect timing. Yeah, all it's the, actually really <laughs> freaky timing. It's, it's, like, it's yeah. insane because you know, we, in our schedules are both crazy. So we kept being like, are you in LA? No, nah, I'm in, I'm here. No, nah, no. Nah. And then it, it all came together, you know, um, 
that was one of my favorite ones. I did one for an app a while back, um, a game, an app game. And they were like, look, we just like your videos. We like the dance stuff. Find a way to incorporate the app. That's we don't awesome. care what you do. And so the concept was that we were we were outside sitting on a bench and somebody's playing the app. And then basically it's got these like monsters and creatures. And we did some special effects where they like came to life out of the app. And then it was into a dance scene. And it was real, real simple. But and and I sent it over to them and they're like, yeah, we love it. It's good. Perfect. That's amazing. You know, and, and it was because. It wasn't because I booked an audition where they had seen me dance or what. It's because they'd watched a lot of my content and they knew what kind of stuff I did. So they trusted me. They were like, we know what you do matches with what we want. Go with it. And, and it works out. And, you know, that's that's another thing that changed from when you used to, like, submit choreography right. things. Now they can just go online. They can watch 100 videos, 1,000 videos if they want to be like, hey, that video you did five years ago, can you do something like that? And I could be like, yeah, absolutely, or no, I don't do that anymore. Cool, what else? You know, it really opens the doors to get things right the first time. So tell me, like, um, the business side. I mean, we, we've gone through and the opportunity side, and you talked about a lot of the the streams of business that you actually have. But like, do you have like someone running your company? Are you doing it? Like what's, what's going on there? And, and then too, like, is it challenging for you to, to balance all this as a creator? Yeah, it's, I mean, as most creators will probably tell you, it's not, it's not easy to balance because it's very difficult to market your stuff correctly. Yeah. There's, there's something about like, you can tell when a celebrity runs their own Instagram and when they have a company running their Instagram, you can tell the difference. Yeah. and. And you can tell the difference even more so with creators because we started on YouTube and the, the people know, they know if you switch over and all of a sudden your assistant posted that tweet, they're like, that's not exactly how he would say that, you know? Exactly. And, and I've seen so many people kind of fall off because they started to have too much on their plate, push that aside. And, and that's a big part of it. So I do run a lot of my own stuff. Um, I have, you know, an assistant agent, manager, lawyer, business manager, editor, videographers. I have like the whole team that I need to be able to get through things. But day to day, like I post on my Instagram, once we get the the numbers and the basic stuff worked out, I'm handling all the talking points, the treatments, like I'm very, very hands on with mm. everything because I think that's how you keep your quality high and it needs to be your voice. Yeah. And, and, you know, if the brand is happy that could lead to so many other things. Like it, it's like the one, the one thing that you want to really cherish is an opportunity that comes in with a new brand, with a new artist, because word spreads fast, faster than ever. You see all the time people posting for good and bad, good and bad, <laughs> good and bad, you know, and, and your reputation is, is everything. Yep. And, and so when I have an opportunity, I really, really take it seriously. I make sure if it's, if it's a, a big project that I'm on mm -hmm. the entire way, you know, sure, sure. And, and it's, it's finding that, you know, balance of quality and scale. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously when you have a, a brand deal come on, you know, you're going to give it the best you can, but then it's about how much more content can you produce or how much more content do you want to produce? And it's getting to the point where you do have to have some scale and help um, with that. However, you, your, your voice can't ever disappear. You know? Yeah. You know, it's about Matt and it's about like the audience that you built, you have that loyalty I was speaking to a hip hop artist just just recently. He's an up and coming, you know, um, a musician that's like growing really fast. He's been on like the late night show, has like done really well in his early career. And one of the first things he told me is, "Yeah, my Instagram, my YouTube, I, I don't care about that. I just I let I let my manager just take it, and his team just takes care of it. <laughs> I don't know what they post. They just they just take care of it." And I just told him, "I was like, that is a huge mistake." They, they, they take something. care of it really well too. Well, well, yeah. They're just blowing up. Well, it's random. <laughs> yeah. it's I know like that's the problem. And, 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 he's, and, he's, and he's exploding as an artist. But um, one thing that where he's making a mistake, he's not connecting with his audience. Yeah. And he's not building his own brand with his audience because that audience that is following him on Instagram or on YouTube, they're going to be there after the record labels aren't or right. after right. you know the tours are not as big. He's still going to have an opportunity to communicate with that base and to figure out other ways to 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 continue his career. And when you just think of you know that one thing that makes you connect with your following, you have to take it very seriously. And you have to be involved. And they need to know your voice. So when curveballs come or you know, crap hits the fan, you know you have that audience to rely on. Yeah. 
one of the things I teach a social media class every once in a while. And one of the things I always tell everyone there is because I have a lot of friends that are very busy and very talented artists, actors, all these crazy careers is you don't have to make a million pieces of content. If you make one good piece of content every couple weeks, whatever it may be, you can repurpose that for two weeks until you can make another piece of content. You know, I don't really make a lot of stuff specifically for Instagram, for TikTok, for Facebook, for Snapchat. I just make YouTube content. And then I take the best 30 seconds of that and I put it everywhere else. Yeah. And then I put in a couple pictures and then I take the second best 30 seconds of that and I put it everywhere else. And then we film another YouTube video and then we do the same thing. And once you have that one piece of content, now I can have my team help me disperse that among everything else. So a lot of times it's not about creating a million because you can't, it's, it's but, impossible. But it's thinking ahead. Oh, I'm going to do this. This is my content strategy plan on all these different platforms. Yeah. You know, and working smarter. Exactly. You know, one yeah. of the big things we discovered last year, and I'm still mad that I didn't discover this sooner is compilation videos. Yep. I am so dumb for not realizing <laughs> I literally posted a dance video and then I took three dance videos that I'd done years ago and I put them together and I posted both of them and the brand new one that I spent hours and hours and hours on did, you know, a couple million views. The one that was just a mix of videos from years ago did 10 million views. Exactly. Took seven minutes to edit. Exactly. You know, it's like, ah, uh, the, but those are the kind of things I'm trying to figure out is as everything gets busier, how can we work smarter? How can we be more efficient? So what, what are your plans with TikTok? Are you doing anything on that? Or is that just kind of, eh? TikTok is interesting. I'm honestly, I, I thought I had musically figured out when it was musically and then right. it switched to TikTok and a lot of things changed, even though it's the same app. It's not, right. it's not, it, it's different. Um, currently I mostly just take my Instagram dance videos, things like that. And I put them on TikTok. Occasionally they do really well. We do pretty consistent on there and, right. and you know, it's growing. But I, I, in order to really grow, grow like crazy on TikTok, I, I see the, the trends and stuff and it doesn't really fit my brand. So I've had a little bit of a, you know, I just kind of let it do its thing and, and it grows slowly. But I, it's it's really interesting. Have you guys worked on it much? Like I definitely have clients that have um, and there's a lot of interest. But I, I was just I, I always think of ideas and whether you take this idea or whoever's watching this takes this idea. But I think you could have dance offs and I, I think it could be massive on TikTok and with the like like you a create, split you screen kind of thing you create your own like you'd create your own uh uh social splash with your own hashtags and you know I think it could be a, a huge huge aspect cuz there's people out there Matt like what you were years ago in remote parts of the world that that love dancing and love choreography and I think you could have it so that you know you're doing a dance challenge or a dance off or whatever it is and I think it could be huge I don't think it would take that much time. And I think you can repurpose it with older content to do it. Yeah. And there's a lot of reaction type videos on, on, um, TikTok, And that could be one of those things, but I don't know. That's just going through my mind. So for all the people that are watching this or listening to this, <laughs> if anybody wants to start a dance, dance challenge on, on TikTok, <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, that's it. Conversations like this, you, you know, brainstorming sessions, that's yeah. how we have gotten, you know, the channel to where it is. And and I say we, because even though I'm heading everything, you know, no, sometimes one of my, yeah. edit, my editor will be like, Hey, you know, I always watch this photography guy and he did this crazy challenge. Could we do that for dance? I'm like, yeah, what if we, you know, that's really and, cool. and that's why listening to a podcast like this is so important because you might get one idea that starts one series that ends up blowing up your channel, you know, which is why I'm watching as much content as I can. If I'm on the plane, I'm always like studying every, you know, every chance I get trying to learn more, just like you said, I, I found, I I've been in this business long enough. I'm just as long as you have. And what I found is content creators that are relevant today, they have two things going for them. Number one, they're always trying to push the envelope of their content, trying to get it out to as many people as possible. But number two, they're watching content. You know, and the ones that come and go, they just, they're so, so self-absorbed or they're so busy that's going on that they stop watching what's actually happening in the industry or trying to figure out what's going on, you know, and this or that. And they just, they just get so involved with everything that they just become irrelevant after that. It's just, it's crazy. Um, but do you find inspiration today? Like, I mean, you, you, you said that you're spending time watching videos and trying to learn and trying to 
you know, educate yourself in certain ways. Um, like what is your process like in a given week when you're, when you're doing it? Is it like on the plane or is it just these moments that you're trying to say, okay, I need some inspiration before we go or. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of industries that are similar to dance, right? Music, obviously closest, but comedy, they're all more or less the same skill in a different way. Right. If I'm creating music or I'm creating choreography, my friends will do a music challenge where they'll be like, can we create a song in an hour? Can we create a dance in an hour? Can I create a song using only sounds from my car? Can we create a dance mm. in a car? <laughs> like wow. the same idea. You just repurpose it for dance, right? right? Comedians will do like me and my three friends try not to make each other laugh. You know, we do like <laughs> try not to redo the same move freestyling for 20 minutes, whatever it is, you exactly. can take an idea and just shift it a little bit. And now it's a completely new idea, you know, and that's, I mean, that's what, movie making and everything has been about forever is like take an idea, run with it, change it up a little bit. And it's a new movie, you know? And, and that's what we're constantly doing is, is dance for a long time. Like you said, you can blow up off of one type of content, but you are crazy. If you think that that type of content will keep you on top forever, That's right. it won't. So class videos blew up and I was really early in this class video thing. Now there's 500 choreographers that weekly post class videos to the newest, hottest song. So I can't win at, I posted a class video and everybody's going to see it because it's the only one on YouTube anymore. So now we have to get creative and figure out new ways, whether it's, we did a blindfold challenge because I see, I saw somebody doing something like that with music. I was like, maybe dancers can learn an entire routine blindfolded. <laughs> so I just talked to them the whole time. I was like, move your left foot. Nope, not there. Over, your yeah, other left yeah, foot. Yeah, there, yeah. Put your arm out. No, not like that. Like it was ridiculous. People loved it. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. We'll do that. You know? And that's, that's sort of what it is. Sometimes it's just throwing darts at a board. Great. You, you think you have a great idea and, the public decides if it's good or not really yeah. in the end, you know? And, and I think too, like your creativity, like most people, no, I just do choreography and I'm teaching people how to do it, but it's more a personality base. It's more story base. It's like, yes. yes, they are interested in choreography and dance and hip hop and EDM and all this stuff from there, but they're also interested in, in this. And if we can lead into a story, then that makes the content more interesting and it's more relevant down the road where people are, you know, coming back and consuming your content. And when you do come out with, something that might not be right in line with, okay, this, this is how you do this, you know, this dance move or whatever it is. It's just like, there's so more connected. And I think it makes it more interesting for the brand because they're, you know, they're connecting with you on a deeper level. And so, you know, it's kind of a win-win. Sure. So a question I have is something that I'm working on. So you're really busy. You know, you're, you have basically a TV series on your YouTube channel. You're creating music, you're going on tour and, and you're also still doing a lot of choreography. And writing music in the plane as yeah, he's flying to the right, Philippines. Right, right, <laughs> How in the world do you find balance? Do you feel like you've found balance or is that something that you're in pursuit of finding? I, I think it's fair to say I'm still in pursuit of nope. balance. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's fair. Um, what I try to do is, is take at least like one weekend a month to chill. Realistically, I, I, I work pretty much all the time, you know, but... Right now, my what I'm most excited about is creating music and and choreographing and training and dance and and making videos. So you know, it's like anybody will tell you when they, when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. Doesn't mean it's not exhausting, and sometimes you still <laughs> sure. need to like step away from it. You know, but we'll just like you know go get an Airbnb in Palm Springs for the weekend and be like, we're not bringing any work, we're not filming anything, we're just gonna chill for a few days. And I, and I think that's important. It's something I'm trying to do more and more. Um, but you know, when I'm home at night, if if we're on the couch watching a show, I'm like listening to a tutorial in my ear on how to like make this sound for a dubstep. So I'm like constantly, <laughs> constantly kind of going at the gym podcast. I'm listening That's to right. whatever it is I'm trying to learn, you know, and, and I, I, my parents especially like, you need to relax more, you know, but <laughs> there's, there is like a, a time frame. you know, I, I, I feel like I've been given an opportunity that I never ever imagined I would ever in my lifetime have, you know, I, I thought maybe I would book some jobs as a dancer, but I knew what the pay was for dancing. Like I, I knew I was never going to buy a house in LA being a dancer, but because of YouTube and, and all these opportunities with brands and everything, like I was able to buy a house in LA as a dancer. And, and so I feel like for me to not push it as far as I can, while I have all this momentum 
is crazy, you know? And, and, and so while I try to find balance, I'm also like, don't let it, like you said, don't, don't get satisfied with the current situation because as soon as you stop pushing, you drop, there's no stagnant in social media. You're either going up or going down. That's it. So it's really important. I think to, to keep the foot on the gas, especially once you, once you have ideas. I think it's really good for people to hear this because I I think there's a, a misunderstanding or, or an assumption where if you have a YouTube channel or that you're in entertainment, that life is somewhat easier when in real life, it's actually way harder. And, and, and when you're being entrepreneurial like yourself, most of the time you'll be working seven days a week. You're gonna be working 12 to 15 hours a day, if not even more than that. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think, I think it's good to have that pursuit for balance, but really it does take, giving it your all in order to make something great. Yeah. And I, and I think too, there's a lot of pressures too. It's like, how do you want up? And you always have that pressure. Okay. What are we going to do differently? And the, the, like, the, the evolution, the, the, the side where you have to evolve, that's yeah. gotta be the most difficult. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, you want you just, it'd be great to just get a break to do the same thing oh, over man. and over and systemize it. And, it'd be great. Yeah. But <laughs> that's what leaves space. Right. You know, there was a time where there were like, a bunch of YouTube channels, dance YouTube channels, all kind of in the same field. And it was going out of the ordinary that made my channel kind of blow up and go past those other numbers. You know, we were all doing similar stuff and I, I kind of was like, yo, I can't do the same thing as everybody else. Like any company that's, that has a competitor, if you make the same products that are the same quality, you're never, you're just going to kind of push each other, grow together. You have to do something different. And the algorithms are not set up to reward you for no reason. Like just because I have 11 million subscribers doesn't mean that 11 million people are going to see my video. Not even remotely close. Not even (laughs) remotely close. I have videos with 200,000 views uh, with 11 million subscribers. And I have videos with 80 million views with 11 million subscribers, right? And Instagram, Facebook, they're all switching to the same sort of algorithm that rewards engagement it rewards watch time yep. and so if you make good content it blows up if you don't it doesn't that's it yep. and, and and the subscribers can help but they're not going to make a bad video blow up so it really requires you to constantly keep and pushing, that is you know? the algorithm of youtube by matt and it is correct yeah. <laughs> if users that's don't like the, it that's the simplest gonna... <laughs> way to make good stuff good yeah bad <laughs> stuff bad, bad. <laughs> good stuff views yeah. bad stuff bad Good stuff that your mom thinks is good stuff. Good. Good stuff that your mom doesn't think is good stuff. That's bad. Probably. <laughs> Could be good though. You Could never know. Good. No, but like, like that, and that's where the AI is going to come in and really identify people's viewing behaviors. But I think you, you said something that I really resonated with. It's like, how are you going to stand out from everybody else? And people are like, Hey, you know, YouTube's oversaturated and I truly do believe it's not oversaturated. It's only oversaturated when you're just doing this, the status quo, yes. when you're doing what everybody else is doing, like what's going to be unique about what you're doing. And that's, I think that's where you're able to see, Hey, I blew up here. It's something different here. Um, do you feel like you have to reiterate quite, or basically re- reevaluate quite a bit of what your, what your future is looking like and how often do you look at, you know, you know, pivoting content or whatever it may be? Yeah. I mean, it, just this summer, we had a period on the channel where uh, it was like around Old Town Road came out. I did a video to that, went really viral. Big spike, lots of new views on the channel, new subscribers. And then this summer was really strange because usually you got Drake, you got Rihanna, you got Bieber, all these people putting out albums. Well, nobody put out a big album this summer. Mm. Nobody. Like, really nobody. I mean, you had like Travis Scott. Now you have Taylor Swift in the fall, but like there was no, like what was the big hip hop banger? Like the Kiki, do you love? Like we didn't have any of those songs. This now year. we just have to give our advertising money. to oh, Mute that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. I was, I was just, I, I was just off. With My that. pitch was off. They won't catch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty smart. We always, when we sing anything on the channel, we always sing it really bad just to make sure we, we don't get copyrighted. Um, but yeah, so so summer is usually where the channel really explodes. And this summer, we had no music to help us bring in new viewers. So that's where we came up with a lot of these challenge ideas. But it was a big like reevaluation, like you're saying, of like, okay, what do we do when we don't have an Old Town Road 
over and over and over to piggyback off of. We have mm. to find new ways. And the compilation videos, you're like, hey, dude, Bang. this is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we started another one called a 10-minute challenge. I Usually when I teach classes, they're an hour and a half long. About an hour of it is teaching a routine. And I, 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 people never believe me when I tell them that my students can learn an hour long routine in eight minutes. So I started a series where literally I teach them a, a full routine in seven to 10 minutes, see how fast they can do it. And that series exploded. And it was just, you know, I thought it was interesting, but will my viewers think it's interesting? I, I don't know. Luckily they did, but it's that experimentation and, and constantly just pivoting, trying new things. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, um, last question that we have, and I, I think this is an important one, is, you know, this podcast is all about disruption and where the future is with technology, data science, and creativity. Uh, where, where do you see the industry going? What are you the most excited about? I, I think what I'm the most excited about is that when we first started doing brand deals and artist deals, it was very much like it was like they wanted us to make a commercial, right? Mm. But they wanted us to put it on YouTube. I used to get a lot, here's the 27 talking points about how great the product <laughs> is. Can you hold it at a 90 degree angle and smile whenever you look at it? And I was like, it's not a commercial guys, it's a YouTube video. And it, it took years of <clears throat> kind of like coaching them to be like, nobody's gonna buy it on YouTube if it looks like a commercial. And I feel like in the last year or two, I'm finally starting to get, <clears throat> excuse me, I got excited and lost my voice for a second. Um, but I'm starting to get brands come to me much like the app and say, look, we have an app. We want it to get out to your people. We think, you know, the best way to do that. So let us know what you think and let's find a win-win. I love it. And that's so exciting for me because I love to create videos, choreography, ideas, concepts, but I need the freedom to be able to do that in order to get the viewers, the followers excited about the video and in turn excited about the product and seeing that the brands are starting to understand that. And the record labels are like, yo, here's a song run with it. it it's, it's, that's what I was dreaming about when I first started YouTube back in the day it was like, wouldn't it be cool if instead of my video getting blocked for using a song, <laughs> the artist was like, thanks, man. Yeah. We appreciate it, you know, and not to mention that, but like, here's some money. Cause you just got us 10 million streams on Spotify. Like we appreciate it. Yeah. You know, so, so cool. it's, it's really coming around and it's getting to that place more and more. And I think in the coming years, it's just going to explode it's as people start to understand. Better. And, 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 and I think, you know, the longer, I mean, the more brands get into this space and the longer they're in the space, they're just going to, it's going to be much more natural to them because you know, they're going from very traditional agency models yep. and mm -hmm. trying to change and trying to fit into this new entertainment world, which is bigger than anything they've ever worked with before. Yeah. And, and, and every creator that we have on this program, almost every single YouTuber or or, um, or celebrity or Instagram that we've had on here, they've all said the exact same thing. They said, I just wish the brand would come to us and say, hey, make something work out with this. You know, you know use your creative juices, do your thing, and come back with something that, you know, is going to help us sell our product. And I, and I think, too, as brands get to experience, like, here's a natural way, an organic way of getting content out there, and they have successes of what they can actually do instead of this, like, okay, here's my 27 talking points and, you know, all the different things from there, then it's, they're going to be more apt to do work with the same creators that do the same thing. Work with and, the same creators, um, build a deeper partnership and a deeper relationship, but also work with more creators. Yep. Think about it. If, if they're demanding you to follow a script, how many creators can they do that with and be productive? Exactly. It's yeah. not going to work. It's, it, it's like, you know, working with a variety of creators is already hurting cats. <laughs> You're working with these people that are, are very talented. Yeah. They're, they're, they're very creative. Some of them have egos, not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it can be very difficult to try to jump in the creative process and tell them what to do. If anything, you know, you, that's taking a really dangerous approach because you're not following the data. These people are successful. They have consistent programming because they're doing the same things every time with they, that they know that their audience wants to see. And if, so if a brand wants to work with, you know, the same creator multiple times, they have to do it in a very organic way that is consistent with the programming of that creator. But also if they want to work with thousands of creators, because 
We're now at a time right. where a brand could work with 10,000 creators in a year or even in a month. There's Crazy. millions of influencers and creators out there across a huge variety of platforms. The time is now where brands could do this, but they must change and evolve their processes when it comes to marketing, when it comes to advertising, and, and realize that in order to be inside the content, inside the content that gets millions and millions of views, they have to adjust in what they do and listen to the content creator, which understands the content and understands how it's going to be consumed and how people are going to react to it. Yeah. And data doesn't lie either because like the data, like if they, if they didn't have a way to grow an audience, they wouldn't be as big. Like you wouldn't have 11 million, you know, followers or, or subscribers, but it's like at the end of the day, it's like knowing what people want and, and the data doesn't lie. And it's getting better and better um, as we have more tools and we, creators, I feel like are, are actually knowing exactly the moment that, oh yeah, I can see where that, you know, why it dropped here or whatever. They're able to make better content and they can better understand the viewing behaviors of the audience. So what process should brands follow? <laughs> There's a process that Ricky always talks about in every one. <laughs> what is it called? What is it called? I, it's, what is it? Some triangle? Oh, something? You're, you're annoying. Consensus triangle? <laughs> yes. Okay. Consensus triangle. Everyone needs to reach <laughs> you, a consensus. Take, Ricky's going to come out with an infomercial about the consensus triangle. <laughs> I already have. <laughs> Do you have merch? Like, <laughs> have merch. Uh, I have it all. <laughs> it's like an Illuminati. Like, <laughs> sign. Become a part of the consensus triangle. <laughs> Just an eyeball in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the middle of a triangle. Oh, yeah. that sounds like something, doesn't it? <laughs> no, and thank you so much for coming in. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Matt. And thank all of you for watching this podcast or listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button or follow or whatever it is. And you know what to do. See you on the next video.